scripture reading is from Psalms 119, 65 to 80. You have dealt with your servant, O Lord, according to your word. Teach me good judgment and knowledge, for I believe in your commandments. Before I was afflicted, I went astray, but now I keep your word. You are good and do good. Teach me your statutes. Be insolent. Smear me with lies, but with my whole heart I keep your precepts. Their heart is unfeeling like fat, but I delight in your law. It is good for me that I was afflicted, that I might learn your statutes. The law of your mouth is better to me than thousands of gold and silver pieces. Your hands have made and fashioned me. Give me understanding that I may learn your commandments. Those who fear you shall see me and rejoice, because I have hoped in your word. I know, O Lord, that your rules are righteous, and that in faithfulness you have afflicted me. Let your steadfast love comfort me according to your promise to your servant. Let your mercy come to me that I may live, for your law is my delight. Let the insolent be put to shame because they have wronged me with falsehood. As for me, I will meditate on your precepts. Let those who fear you turn to me, that they may know your testimonies. May my heart be blameless in your statutes, that I may not be put to shame. Well, good morning, everybody. If you have a copy of God's Word, meet me in Exodus chapter 20. Exodus chapter 20. Well, we're continuing our series on the Ten Commandments this morning. And for a long time, theologians have divided the Ten Commandments into two sections. The first section, the first four commands that Josh has gone over the past month or so, focus more on how we love God. And the second section, beginning today and through the end, focuses more on how we love one another. Over the next few weeks, I think we'll see that loving God and loving one another are inseparable from one another. You can't have one without the other. So as we begin this new section, let's look at Exodus chapter 20, verse 12. Exodus chapter 20, verse 12. God's word says, Honor your father and your mother, that your days may be long in the land that the Lord your God is giving you. Now when you hear that, your reaction to hearing those words is probably based on the strength of your relationship with your parents. Maybe you have an awesome relationship and you're excited to hear about how you can better honor your parents. Maybe there's been strain in that relationship because there are some differing priorities and differing opinions. So there have been arguments and fights, and there's some relational distance. Maybe you're in a place where, because of choices your parents have made, it's not safe or wise to have a relationship with your parents. Today, we're going to look at what this command says for all those situations, for all of us here, and what honor looks like, and how we honor God by honoring our parents. So let's pray, and then we'll hop into the Word. Lord, we need you today. Open our eyes to see wonderful things in your Word. May I speak truly wisely and clearly for your name's sake. Pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. 
So we're going to have two points today. The, the verse has two parts, a command and a promise. So we're going to look, our first point is going to be looking at that command. The second part is going to be looking at that promise. So let's look at the first part of verse 12. Honor your father and your mother so that it may go well with you. So honor your father and mother. The word honor, what does that mean? It's not a word we use a lot in our Western context. Well, the word honor in the Hebrew, the literal translation, is often used for the word to glorify God. It's, transfer, it's translated in English as the glory of God. And literally, it means weight. That something would be weighty or significant. So to honor someone is to give them, to treat them with the weight and respect according to the authority and weight that God has given them in our lives. When I graduated from Ohio State in 2013, the commencement speaker was President Obama. And he was a sitting president at the time. When the sitting president attends an event and you're there, regardless of your political views, there are, there's decorum and there's protocol to show respect for the office. So even though Ohio Stadium is a massive place, and there's tons of graduates and their families there. When the president walked on stage, hail to the chief played, everybody stands up. Why? Because it shows respect for the office. And if you, you or I were to walk into the Oval Office right now, I'd hope that we wouldn't just go up to the Resolute desk and say, Joe, my dude, what's up, man? How are you? We wouldn't do that. I'd hope not. Because... Regardless of your views, one way or the other, there is his position has weight and dignity and deserves to be honored. In the same way, God is saying that parenthood, motherhood, and fatherhood are weighty positions. In fact, they are the most fundamental authority in our lives. They are our first relationship. There is no relationship more fundamental to human life. And it is an incredible responsibility given by God. Those of you who are parents are well aware of this. To raise up your children in the knowledge of the Lord, to provide for them physically, to teach them spiritually. And not only is this a weighty position, but it is God-given. Romans 13.1, while the immediate context is governing authorities, it makes a universal statement that applies to parenthood. Romans 13.1 says, Let every person be subject to the governing authorities, for there is no authority except from God. And those that exist have been instituted by God. God is sovereign over all things, including who our parents are. God, in his wisdom, sovereignly made us the children of our mother and father. There are no mistakes in that. He is in control. And as we honor our parents, we show honor to God and trust in him by honoring the authorities that he has put in our lives. Now, this doesn't come naturally to us, especially in our Western culture. Western media, parents are often portrayed as bumbling and out of touch. Uh, I recently rewatched on YouTube the music video for the early 90s Will Smith song, Parents Just Don't Understand. Don't do it. it. 
let me put it this way, it's not Hamilton. It does not hold up. Hip-hop has moved on. But it's that tone that parents are just hopelessly uncool. They just don't get what's going on, and kids would just be better off if they just ignored what their parents were saying and acted as cool as possible to fit in. It's seen in our culture as natural and good, especially for teenagers, to rebel against their parents. The Bible disagrees. We're going to look at two Proverbs as examples. Proverbs 19.26 says, He who does violence to his mother, or violence to his father, and chases away his mother is a son who brings shame and reproach. You may say, Jimmy, I've never done violence against my parents. Never tried to hurt them. Well, a little bit of previews and coming attractions for the next few weeks. We're going to talk about in a few weeks how Jesus expands the definition of murder. To say anyone who insults or calls someone an idiot or is angry at another is guilty of murder in their heart. And let's be honest, all of us at some point, especially between the ages of like 14 and 18, have had that thought. All of us have had those thoughts in our hearts at some point. Second proverb. If one curses his father or mother, his lamp will be put out in utter darkness. That's Proverbs 20, 20. Now this is time before artificial light. So if you're in the dark, you are in the dark. There is no iPhone flashlight to pull out. You were vulnerable to all kinds of attackers and wild animals. It was essentially a death sentence. And much like last week, there are passages in the Old Testament saying that the penalty for disobeying parents is death. And like last week, we are thankful that in Christ that, has, that punishment has been fulfilled in him. But it shows how seriously God takes this command. So why do we dishonor parents? Why are our hearts drawn to do that when the Bible makes such clear commands? Well, I think honor sounds noble and good and cool and romantic until it costs us something. Honor's great until it means doing something we don't want to do, not being able to do something we want to do, sit not being able to say what we want to say, not being able to do or choose what we want to choose. And this goes back all the way to the beginning of the Bible story. God created us to honor him. He is the ultimate parent. He is the ultimate father upon whom all fatherhood is based. The only truly perfect father. And yet, the first man and woman, and subsequently every single one of us dishonored him, rejected his authority, sought out other things. We have things that we want, and if honoring God gets in way, the way of the things that we want, and dishonor is a path to fulfilling our other desires, we choose the path of dishonor. 
Paul really breaks this down in Romans chapter 1, verse 21. Romans 1, 21 says, For although they, and they, speaking of all of humanity, although they knew God, they did not honor him as God or give thanks to him, but they became futile in their thinking, and their foolish hearts were darkened. Paul is saying that everyone has a sense, an innate sense, that God exists. But the human default setting is not to honor God or thank him for the blessings that he put in our lives. But we attribute them to our own efforts or to our idols, things that we can control. We don't thank God for his blessings and we dishonor him by giving the honor he deserves to other things. Essentially, considering God is the creator of all things and the king of the universe, not giving him the honor he deserves is essentially a coup. It is cosmic treason. And if someone were to attempt a rebellion or a coup in any country, what would be the good and just punishment for that? there would be significant punishment for that. And it's good and right for a good and just God to punish traitors eternally. But despite the fact that you and I and every single person is a traitor against God, God sent his son, Jesus. He lived the perfect life. He's the only one to honor his father perfectly. He even honored his earthly parents when they thought he was crazy. Wanted him to spend more time with him than with the disciples. And yet, even though he was the only one who honored his earthly parents and his heavenly father perfectly, he on the cross bore the weight of our dishonor and the punishment for our dishonor. On the third day, he rose again, triumphant from the grave over sin and death. And what is the result? If you and I put our faith in Christ, look what Paul says in Romans chapter 8. For those of us who put our faith in Christ, listen for the parental family language. For all who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. For you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption as sons by whom we cry, Abba, Father, the Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God and fellow heirs of Christ, provided we suffer with him in order that we may also be glorified with him. Though our sin makes us spiritual orphans, though we are rebels 
and traitors attempting a coup against the perfectly hev perfect Heavenly Father. God looks at sinful humanity and says, they're mine. I choose them. And not only that, he gives us the Holy Spirit as proof, testifying within those that have put trust in him that we truly are children of God. That's not a fairy tale. That's not too good to be true. Not only that, he sends his spirit to empower us, to change, to turn away from the sinful desires that we have, the things that get in the way of honoring God and our earthly parents. So what does that look like practically? Well, if you're a kid living at home, it means obeying. Unless your parents tell you to do something that is not explicitly against the word of God, it means that you obey what your parents say. Now, the Bible does make clear that at adulthood, there is a change in relationship. The Old Testament, the Bible connects us to marriage. In our current society, it's probably more akin to uh, someone who's of age moving out of the house. But all of us, there are other things that all of us, whether we're children or adults, can do to honor our parents. We can use respectful speech, both in person and uh, when we're talking to other people. Regardless if they're present or not, we can honor them with how we talk about them. We can pray for them. We can prioritize our relationship with them. And this is my own personal application point because my parents are listening to this on Spotify. And uh, mom, dad, you'll get a phone call later today. Uh, and I've got about 30 people looking at me right now to make sure that happens. <laughs> and it means caring for our aging parents. Uh, there's actually a passage where Jesus says this explicitly. When the Pharisees are using this technicality, they're saying they follow the law of God by honoring their parents, but they say, oh, we can't spend this money on our parents because this is set aside for the temple. This is dedicated to God. We can't, we can't use that for our parents. And Jesus says, no, 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 no. If you're going to follow the law, follow the law with all your heart. And I am so grateful we live in a country whose government does care about taking care of senior citizens or at least senior citizens' votes. But that does not negate the responsibility in God's eyes for us to care for our parents. Ultimately, that does fall on the children. And you might be thinking, Jimmy, you don't know my story. You don't know my parents. And you might be in a situation where it's unwise or unsafe for you or your family to have, uh, not have boundaries in that relationship. On one hand, there are no exceptions in the Bible. There are no exceptions to the command to honor. But there are some helpful distinctions, and I'm grateful to pastor and theologian Tim Chalice, who laid out some distinctions that I think help us navigate these tough situations. So five helpful distinctions helping to hone in on what honor can look like in difficult situations. First, 
we distinguish between honor and obedience. As I said before, there, we do not obey, is not honoring to obey parents when they go against the word of God, when they call us to do something that God forbids. As I said before, there is a change of relationship in adulthood as well. And while it is good and wise when reasonable to uh, listen to our parents and to take what they say seriously and strongly consider doing what they say, if they are treating, if they are taking that to an extent where they are treating you as if you are still a minor, especially if you're married, then that is an overstep. But even when refusing to obey, we can still show honor by speaking with them with dignity, respect, and calmness. Second, we distinguish between the person and the physician. We distinguish between the person and the physician. Even if it's unwise or unsafe for us to have uh, a deep relationship with our parents, we can still honor motherhood and fatherhood as positions given by God and the authority that God has given mothers and fathers in general. We can speak well of motherhood and fatherhood. The mothers and fathers who are in our lives, we can honor. Third, we distinguish between honor and relationship. Distinguish between honor and relationship. Maybe in your situation, the best you can do, given the choices that your parents have made, is to refuse to dishonor them. That means, as we said before, refusing to speak ill of them in front of others. Having a willingness to forgive. If they ask for forgiveness, doing your best to forgive them. And forgiving them doesn't mean letting down your barriers, letting down your boundaries. But letting go of bitterness both against them and against God. Taking it to the foot of the cross. Trusting God's sovereignty. Trusting Christ to heal your heart in that matter. Fourth, distinguish between honor and agreement. Honoring your parents does not mean agreeing with unbiblical positions. Honoring our parents does not mean we agree with racist views that go against the word of God. Or views that violate biblical sexual ethics. It is possible to honor while also being firm. That's a quote from Chalice, and that was really helpful for me. It is possible to honor while maintaining firmness. And finally, distinguish between honor and enabling. We distinguish between honor and enabling. Hear me, beloved. It is not honoring to God nor your parents to enable sin. If there is sin that needs to be revealed, that needs to be reported to law enforcement, it is honoring to God to report that to law enforcement. It honors God by showing love for our neighbor and love for our parents in that if legal action needs to be taken by law enforcement, hopefully that is an action that in God's kindness leads them to repentance. And I know it's difficult. God knows it's difficult. 
to remember. We talked a few weeks ago about, in the end of that Mark series, how over and over, and while it's a different kind of authority, it was governmental authority and not parental authority, over and over, as the authorities in Jesus' life executed him, he remained respectful and honoring of those authorities. He knows what it's like to love and even to say, Father, forgive them. They know not what they do to the crowds who executed him. He knows what that's like. He has put his Holy Spirit in you so that he abides in you and you abide in him and he will never leave you nor forsake you. He knows how difficult it is He knows how difficult it is to love and forgive difficult people that he has given us a precious and sweet promise in the second half of this verse. So let's look at Exodus 20, 12 again. And we're going to look at the second half in the promise that God gives us. Honor your father and your mother that your days may be long in the land that the Lord your God is giving you. Honor your father and mother that your days may be long in the land the Lord your God is giving you. Now, what does this promise mean? Well, in the Old Testament, there was this covenantal relationship between God and Israel rooted back in a covenant made that God made, a contract God made with their ancestor, Abraham. If God's people obeyed him and showed him faithfulness to the commands he was giving them in the Ten Commandments and and other laws that he gave them, that he would bless them and give them this promised land that he had promised to Abraham centuries before. If they disobeyed God and went after idols and dishonored him, they would be cursed and they would be taken out of the land. In fact, the generation that is receiving these Ten Commandments was unable to enter the land because of their sinfulness and idolatry. So what does this mean for those of us who are under a new covenant, who are in Christ? The law for us is no longer written on tablets of stone, but on our hearts. Well, the Bible makes clear that all of God's promises are yes and amen in Christ. When God entered the world, I'm sorry, when God created the world, he created the first man and woman and put them in this perfect place. This perfect garden. But when they dishonored God, they were not allowed to re-enter the garden. They were thrown out, never to return. And since then, this world that we live in is under a curse. It is broken. And we see this all the time. Sickness, disease, famine, natural disasters. You know, I saw this firsthand. I grew up in suburban New Orleans. And for centuries, hurricanes have hit the city. And even despite the best efforts of brilliant engineers, the Army Corps of Engineers built this brilliant series of levees. In August 2005, Hurricane Katrina hit. The levees failed. The Mississippi River and Lake Pontchartrain flooded in to uh, New Orleans East and Lakeview area, hundreds of casualties. 
And there are times that human effort can minimize some of these disastrous impacts of our fallen world. But despite humanity's best efforts, terrible things still happen because of our sin. But because of Christ, because of his good and sweet gospel, this will not always be so. One day he will return to the earth he created for his glory. And the Apostle Paul says that the world is subjected by God to futility right now. Like, it's almost like he describes it as a spring under incredible tension, just waiting to be released to its full capacity of glory that God intends for it when Christ returns. Listen to how it's described in Revelation 21, the new heavens and the new earth. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and the sea was no more. And I saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them, and they will be his people, and God himself will be with them as their God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. Death shall be no more, neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore, for the former things have passed away. Oh, beloved, what a beautiful place this world will be. And this promise in Exodus 20.12 is that as heirs of God and co-heirs of Christ, we will inherit the new heavens and the new earth in Christ the best part, because there will be no more sin, there will be no more sinful authorities. Even the best parents are sinners. Even the best parents have to, at times, go to their kids and say, I'm sorry, I made a mistake. Can you forgive me? But one day, on that day, there will be no more sin, and we will see Christ with unveiled face, be transformed from one degree of glory to another. Why is God so gracious to us? Because as we said before, through that Romans 8 passage from earlier, through the gospel, we become children of God because of what Christ did on the cross and his salvation. And we do not earn this promise this blessing through obeying well enough. It is not a transactional relationship that if you obey well enough, you get, you earn the new heavens and the new earth. This is a precious gift of God through Christ. God knows that obeying him in this world is difficult. He is kind and gives us these sweet and precious promises so that we might set our eyes on them and they might motivate obedience. The promise is not the result of honoring. Honoring is the result of the promise. 
It is the sweet promises of God that motivate our obedience in this broken world. So for those of us who are believers, I would encourage you to set your hope fully on the grace to be revealed to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. There will be a day when you will, the heat will come into your life and you'll have to make a choice. In our context that we're talking about today, we're talking about honoring our parents. There will be a time where we have to choose between honoring our parents and honoring God and following what Peter calls our, the passions of our former ignorance that lead us to dishonoring God. Those are the moments when we're tempted to dishonor our parents, where our mind needs to be set on promises like this one. Dr. Danny Aiken, the president of the seminary I went to, once said, the mind is the battleground of the Christian life. The mind is the battleground of the Christian life. This is because what we said a few weeks ago was that the heart is a magnet. The heart is drawn to what the mind fixates on, and what the, mi- the mind fixates on what the heart is drawn to. And in those moments, if we fixate, if we fix our eyes, if we think about God's sweet and precious promises, He will transform our hearts through His Holy Spirit. He will become what we desire most. That is how the battle for our hearts, the battle for the throne of our hearts is won. That is how we fight for Christ, along with the Holy Spirit, to be on the thrones of our hearts. So maybe practically the next step, the first step for you would be memorizing a verse like Exodus 20.12. Because we cannot meditate on what we do not know. Memorizing scripture allows us in those moments when the heat comes in to turn our eyes away from the things of this world and on things above. What is good and holy and true and honorable and worthy of praise. So I would suggest making a goal to memorize one verse this week. Maybe this Exodus 2012 verse. And don't just memorize it and then put it in your back pocket and check it off your to-do list. Take time to think about it. Think about what it means. Think about what it means that it's true. Think about what God's communicating. Think about what it means that his word is true. Finally, maybe you're here and you're not a follower of Jesus. Maybe you're realizing today for the first time that you have dishonored God, that you've gone your own way, not God's way, and that you've chosen uh, to pursue your own passions over honoring him and honoring your parents. You've worshiped other things and have not lived out of gratitude for the blessings that he has given. There is good news. In Christ, there is hope. The Bible says that if you repent and turn to Christ, he is faithful to forgive us for our sins. He will adopt you and take you out of death and into life and bring you into his family. That spirit, what he said about in Romans chapter 8 earlier about the spirit of adoption as sons, that we cry out, Abba, Father, that is not too good to be true. It is the most true thing in the universe. It can be your story. 
Will you turn away from your idols today and trust in Christ? If so, come talk to me, come talk to Josh, come talk to anyone you've seen on stage this morning. We'd love to have a conversation with you about what next steps could look like. Let's close in prayer. Lord, we are thankful for your word. We are thankful for your kind and precious promises. We are thankful for your faithfulness. We are thankful for the parents you put in our lives. Lord, we, we are so thankful that you have given us parents, though they are sinful and we are sinful. We have sinned against them, they have sinned against us. Help us to honor them, especially in di- situations where that is difficult. Help us be wise. Help us to set our eyes on you and your word in those times where the heat comes in and our hearts are tempted to run after other things and dishonor you and dishonor the parents that you have put in our lives. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's stand and sing with one another.